everyone. My name is Ari and welcome to Made of Metal, a motivational podcast where we tell stories about regular people overcoming insurmountable odds. This week, we continue on the very humble beginnings and oh so fascinating story of Abraham Lincoln. I really loved learning about Abraham's early careers spanning from modest customer service positions to becoming an illustrious backwoods lawyer. Also, still not over him using an almanac to win a murder case. That situation alone deserves its own episode of Forensic Files. I also enjoyed learning about Abraham's simple life on the farm and his transition from farm life to being an integral part of the local communities he worked in. Abraham had worked as a shopkeeper, a postmaster, and even was voted as captain to lead a local militia during a short conflict. All of this prefaces any of his political work, and it gives you a great glimpse as to where he first gained such definitive perspective on the working class and how they were faring in the country today. So we're going to pick right back up and discuss the onset of Abraham's political career from local politics all the way up to the national level. So let's get right into it. As I'd mentioned in a previous episode, Abraham was politically affiliated with the Whig Party, which was one of the two biggest political parties at the time. There were the Whigs and then there were the Democrats. The Whig Party was an opposition party to President Andrew Jackson and his supporters, who were Democrats. The Whig Party advocated and campaigned for government-administered infrastructure and economic support in the form of tariffs favoring the American business industries. Abraham was elected multiple times as the representative of the Whig Party to the Illinois State Legislature from around 1835 to 1849. He was the lone Whig Party representative on the legislature. He was also elected to Congress for just one term from 1847 to 1849. This would be his first introduction to national politics. During his time at the state legislature, Abraham would focus his efforts on introducing bills and voting on resolutions to his party interests. Abraham did not agree with the current president, Andrew Jackson's policies, including his strong and obvious support for slavery. The president himself was the owner of many slaves. I did want to note that during Abraham's time in Congress, he introduced a bill that proposed the emancipation of enslaved people, including compensation. Although the bill didn't receive much support, it's interesting to me that Abraham didn't fully support the institution of slavery long before the start of the Civil War. It was Abraham's vocal opposition against the looming Mexican-American War that prevented him from re-election to Congress. It was after his single term in Congress that Abraham, who was close to 40 at the time, decided that politics wasn't for him, and he returned to Illinois to again restart his career as a lawyer. I don't know about you guys, but it seems to me that uh, Abraham Lincoln should have been uh, a lawyer, and uh, that is what he wanted to do. That is clearly his passion. So Abraham would continue to practice law and not participate in any politics 
for about five years, though he would return for the absolute best of reasons. Around 1854, one of Abraham's rivals was proposing a bill that completely went against national sentiments in the surrounding states, including Abraham's home state of Illinois at the time, in regards to states' rights, territories, and the lawful expansion of slavery. The bill, called the Kansas-Nebraska Act, would allow slavery to be decided by the states in terms of whether or not they would allow it within their territory. During this time, the Whig Party had been completely wiped out, and the Republican Party was beginning to rise. Abraham, seeing the change in the political landscape and noting his opponent's strong support, would align himself with the Republican Party and campaign against his opponent for the Senate seat. There were stark differences between Abraham and his opponent, both physically and mentally. Abraham was described as tall, lanky, and strong, and his opponent was short, stocky, and portly. Each had their own style of debating, but Abraham's was more so individualistic to his genuine personality and sincere delivery, while his opponent engaged in the normal and long-winded political performances that everyone had grown accustomed to, but could not relate to. Abraham's speeches were also described as more eloquent, articulate, and most importantly, not as lengthy as was most common during this time period. He also focused his debate on highlighting the inconsistencies between his opponent's past political principles and his proposed vision moving forward. Say that three times fast. These distinctions set Abraham apart, giving him a leading edge over his opponent. As the bill's main purpose was to include slavery as an option for each state, this is where Abraham focused his arguments. He believed that the government should intervene and establish an anti-slavery economy. It should be highlighted that Abraham wasn't necessarily against the morality of slavery at this point, more so the economic repercussions to the country in terms of a country divided in commerce. Slavery was one of the main drivers of agricultural industry in the South and was starting to become a monumental divisive national issue. I felt like it was important to note that as it will be interesting to see as Abraham's story continues how his views evolved and how much they impacted his eventual rise to the presidency as Abraham would denounce slavery completely just two years later in 1860. This was also during the time following the Supreme Court Dred Scott decision in 1857. Now, this decision was groundbreaking as it essentially made it federal law that African-Americans were not citizens and were entitled to zero rights and essentially completely supported the institution of slavery. Although Abraham was seen as a superior choice in the Senate race, he sadly was not the popular choice and he would lose the Senate seat to his more politically established and networked opponent. This loss would hit Abraham hard and affect him deeply, but there was a silver lining. Although Abraham didn't win the seat, his campaign did help to boost his visibility once again in the political sphere, but this time all the way up to the presidential level. Rising in his statementship, 
and establishing himself as a worthy political opponent with his amazing oratory skills and personality, Abraham was able to gain support for a lucrative presidential campaign. There were so many setbacks and losses for Abraham that led to this moment. It seemed to be a complete failure on the surface for Abraham, but instead of it being the end of his career, it catapulted him into the spotlight and gave him the opportunity of a lifetime to hold the highest political office of the United States as the president. I'd honestly say it wasn't a defeat at all, but a huge triumph in disguise. After pulling together his network of supporters, Abraham was able to do the impossible and was nominated as a presidential candidate on May 18, 1860 at the Republican National Convention in Chicago. At this point, Abraham had decided to focus all of his efforts on his presidential campaign, putting his law practice to the rest and also creating a bit more stability in his party. We know it was tough for him to put that law down. Hmm. And that's how you know he was really dedicated. <laughs> the Democrats were reeling at the time, divided, while the Republicans were trying to prevent a repeat of the dissemination of the Whig Party. The Republicans were in large part composed of older members of the Whig Party. Abraham's goal, which he'd said often, was to bring the nation together and promote collaboration. After his nomination, Abraham focused on connecting with the members inside his party, bringing them together and leaning more moderately in his views to avoid the divisiveness he'd witnessed that brought the end of the Whig Party. In this election, Abraham ran against a total of four other candidates and won a clear majority of the Electoral College. This, of course, meant that a farmer with about a year of formal education that was born with close to nothing and without any clear advantages was elected as the president of the United States. Abraham was born without aristocracy, without access to the opportunities, resources, and networking that is usually available to those trying to achieve a position in a political office, let alone one of the highest political offices in the United States. So what had brought Abraham to this point? from a farmer to the president of the United States. Whatever it is, it's safe to say that it began within Abraham himself. He had no clear leverage, no obvious path to the presidency, just the desire to excel and bring the nation together. You have to give it to him. Although he was a flawed human being, as we all are, it's quite satisfying to watch his evolution. It would come in literally the nick of time, because the country would need Abraham's strong leadership and belief in the Union in the coming days more than ever. Unfortunately, Abraham was about to begin his journey into ruling a country that was completely divided. It's crazy to think that he'd called this, as Abraham was quoted as saying the nation was becoming a house divided. This was mainly because the expansion of slavery was becoming such a polarizing and partisan topic among the states, with the southern states showing clear and unending support. Immediately following Abraham's successful election, the first southern state, South Carolina, would announce its decision to secede from the Union. 
Abraham tried to prevent the impending conflict by introducing compromises to Congress to essentially prevent further states from seceding. I'd like to highlight that all this was going down before Abraham had been officially inaugurated. So he hadn't even like officially started the job when all this BS started happening. (laughs) He essentially didn't even have time to celebrate his win before this impending war was creeping up on his doorstep. Although the compromises were able to buy a bit of time, it wasn't enough to prevent the full succession. A total of seven states would secede from the Union and form the Confederacy. This would mark the beginning of one of the bloodiest and longest wars that the United States had ever seen. And this is where I'm going to stop in this episode, as we've covered a lot with Abraham's early political career, leading all the way up to his presidency. The state of the nation would reach a boiling point and a volatility that even Abraham couldn't have predicted. But without a doubt, he stepped up and led the nation through crisis in a way that is beyond admirable. In the next episode, we'll continue on to Abraham's presidency and the insanity that was the Civil War. I'd like to post some pics on my website of Abraham Lincoln before and after his presidency so you can see just how weathered this man was by the end. And before recording this, I'd actually visited Gettysburg just this past weekend and really got to soak in a lot of the history and walk the battlefields and all that great stuff. I love history, if you guys can't tell. So (laughs) I love visiting historical places. And it was just so great to kind of like be there, you know, boots on the ground and, you know, to to see all these monuments and, and to really, really absorb what happened in Gettysburg, which was literally one of the bloodiest battles of the entire Civil War. So thank you so much for joining me this week. I cannot express how much I am loving all the comments, all the positive feedback. I also welcome critical feedback, you guys. So if you have any improvements, please let me know. I totally want to hear them. I also updated the website to include a form, literally has its own page for you guys to go in submit your story, or any suggestions for an upcoming episode. So you can nominate yourself, another historical icon, someone you know, all of that is welcome. I want to share all of these amazing stories with the world and help us all infuse a bit more motivation in our routines. So I hope these stories are helping you just as much, if not more, than they're helping me. So thank you again so much. You can check us out at madeofmetalpodcast.com. And you can also follow us at Made of Metal Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. So that's Made of Metal, M-E-T-T-L-E. And if you love the show and you'd like to support my passion for sharing these stories with you, you can support me on buymeacoffee.com backslash madeofmetal. And we also just released our membership program with monthly perks. So if you want to just support on a monthly basis or you want to join our focus group, please let me know. Send me a message. Um, Just say hi. Send me some comments. I love it all. (laughs) You can also follow, subscribe and review the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
So as always, my loves, stay cool out here in this crazy, crazy humid summer and bloom where you are planted.